G'day and thanks for joining me, I'm Lyle Shelton. If we don't speak up and keep the public space open, it will be too late. That's why this week's show is again heavy on the so-called trans rights issue. It's not the only issue in politics, but it is the one which at the moment is burning down our civil rights of freedom of speech and of religion and safety for girls, women and children. All of us who believe that boys are boys and girls are girls uh, are in the fight of our lives to be able to continue to say this without being thrown in jail, literally. Our failure to engage properly the same-sex marriage debate in the lead-up to the uh, 2017 plebiscite has brought us to this moment of madness where freedom of speech and religion is under violent attack. Now, if you don't think, if you think I'm exaggerating, you've been living under a rock. In a moment, I'm going to talk to my New Zealand friend, Bob McCoskery, about the violent protest in Auckland last week where visiting UK women's rights advocate Kelly J. Keane Minsell, or Posey Parker, was violently assaulted and her very life imperiled by a bang mob of men dressed as women. Now, this disturbing turn of events across the Tasman was preceded by and arguably precipitated by the demonisation of Victorian Liberal politician Moira Deeming. I'll come to her in just a moment because there's so much to unpack from this week's events in the Victorian Parliament. I'll also give some analysis on last weekend's New South Wales election, at which I was a family first backed candidate for the Upper House. But first, Moira Deeming is a smart, courageous woman. In the past two weeks, the newly elected Liberal member of the Victorian Upper House has been put through hell by her own party. Her own leader, John Pesuto, unsuccessfully tried to expel her. More on that in a moment. You see, Liberal power brokers despise pro-life, pro-family, pro-girls and women's rights members and want them driven from the party. Here's what one Liberal Party insider, when commenting on Deeming this week, anonymously told NCA Newswire. If you're joining the Liberal Party to implement regressive policies such as repealing abortion or turning back voluntary assisted dying, it's not the party for you. John Pesuto and the leadership team are heading in the right direction. They just need their backbenchers to pull their heads in." End quote. Now, this big talking insider didn't have the courage or the decency to give his or her name. But the message from the bully boys and girls of the Liberal Party is clear. If you believe in human rights for, the, for, for unborn children, that euthanasia is dangerous and it's abuse of the rights of the sick and the vulnerable, and if you support family values, you don't belong in the Liberal Party. If you do manage to slip through the net, pull your head in and shut up. Now, since attending the Let Women Speak rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, Moira Deeming has been unjustly humiliated and defamed by the Liberal Party of Victoria before her colleagues last Monday voted to throw her out of the party room for nine months. No one can explain what she did to deserve this treatment on trumped up fanciful accusations of Nazism. As she scrambled to defend herself, because few Liberals would, the only mistake Moira Deeming made was this concession in her letter to her colleagues ahead of Monday's party room meeting. I admit, with the benefit of hindsight, of what has occurred that my participation may have been an error of judgment that resulted in unnecessary scrutiny. Now, she had no need to make this concession. Other Liberal senators, Jacinta Price and Claire Chandler, had attended similar events in other states without being hounded by the Liberal Party. What played out in Victoria uh, with the Victorian Liberals was a witch hunt against Deeming. 
So apart from this concession, her behaviour otherwise has been impeccable. She's been a class act under the most unimaginable pressure and unjust attack from, attacks from her own Liberal Party. Why she felt she had to make such a concession is a mystery. She made no error of judgment. The only error of judgment has been that of Liberal leader John Pesuto, who wanted her expelled. Well, not the only error. The other error of judgment was that of her unthinking colleagues who voted to have her suspended for nine months. For what? No one can explain, and we're left none the wiser after Pesuto's word salad of a press conference last Monday. In an attempt to scrape the egg off their leader's face, the Liberal Party room slapped Moira with nine months suspension. Her crime was to attend an event headlined by women's rights advocate Posey Parker, which was gatecrashed by neo-Nazis performing a Hitler salute. Mysteriously, Victoria Police allowed them through a police cordon so they were able to disrupt the event. Here's what fellow women's rights campaigner Catherine Deves, who was also at the event, told me on last week's show. They escorted them through. Uh, it looked like some of them were, were quite friendly uh, between the police and the neo-Nazis. And then they lined up and then they, they threw the Hitler salute. And I think a lot of the women, we were, we were quite shocked. Now, the women who organised the event, including Deeming, were then accused of being Nazi sympathisers. Nothing could be further from the truth, but the truth did not suit the media narrative, nor that of politicians like Victorian Premier Dan Andrews and the haplessly woke Pesuto. Pesuto gambled his leadership on declaring he would be expelling Deeming. The only problem was that there was no evidence to support expulsion because Blind Freddy could see Posey Parker, Deeming and the other women speaking were not neo-Nazis. The legal brief Deeming emailed to her colleagues at 6.30am on Monday morning ahead of the 10am party room showdown, where Pesuto thought he would be expelling Deeming, comprehensively demolished any suggestion that the women were Nazi sympathisers. The Nazi, Nazi, Nazi hoax diverted attention from the violence radical LGBTIQA plus activists perpetrated upon women attending the Let Women Speak event that Saturday on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. The hoax drowned out the seriousness of the message of protecting girls and women from biological males making their sport unfair and their private spaces unsafe. Deeming made no error of judgment and, no one, ha and one has to wonder whether her concession is a case of Stockholm Syndrome because the Liberal Party's treatment of her has been disgraceful. Peter Credlin on Sky News read excerpts of the speech that Deeming gave to the party room last Monday. It was powerful and raw, detailing her own rape as a key motivator for wanting to protect girls and women from this mad transgender moment. While her colleagues seriously embarrassed Pesuto by rejecting his expulsion moment, they probably have terminally wounded his leadership. But sadly, they cowardly sought to save face for him by suspending Deeming from the party room for nine months. Even federal leader, Peter Dutton did not have the courage to stand up for girls and women's rights. He told his party room in Canberra this week, quote, we can see in Victoria that the at, at the moment, the damage that can be caused and the opportunities lost when we don't act as a team and when we talk about ourselves. Now, if only Peter Dutton could see the damage being done to children because of LGBTIQA plus gender fluid ideology. Now, Deeming's ordeal is far from over. Pesuto has warned her that if she continues to speak out, expulsion is still on the cards. It will be interesting to see if she just goes 
quiet for nine months. If that happens, the anti-girls and anti-women bullies in the Liberal Party have had a win. They've also had a win because doubtless they have struck fear into the hearts of any other Liberal MP that might have been emboldened by Deeming's courage. These fear and intimidation tactics are used to make sure conservative social values have no advocates in the major parties. It's very effective. The reality is the only people who should be expelled or suspended from the Liberal Party are those who don't have the courage to stand up publicly against radical LGBTIQA political extremism. Sadly, that is almost every single member of the Parliamentary Liberal Party in all states. Now, after her Australian visit, Kelly J. Keane Minchel, or Posey Parker as she's known, travelled to New Zealand where she was met with violence from men appropriating women's gender. Take a look at this. Now, joining me now to discuss this is Bob McCroskery, the CEO of Family First Advocacy Group in Auckland, New Zealand. Bob, um, the media's reporting of Posey Parker's visit continued to describe her as an anti-trans activist. What do you think mainstream Kiwis made of her brief visit to your country? Yeah, hi, Lyle. Good to be on the show. Uh, that, that was a constant narrative, which uh, went for probably a week leading up to Posey Parker's visit. To be honest, most New Zealanders had never heard of her. Uh, and uh, she was being brought over as an activist. She wanted basically to have uh, a chance of, of free speech and speaking up on women's rights and concerns about safety. And uh, one of the questions was, well, why did you hold it in a public place? And part of the reasoning is because every time they go and book a facility, the facility is either woke or gets nervous and uh, cancels it. So they've found that just going to a public place is probably the uh, best way to do it. But as they found out in New Zealand, the, uh, the, the lack of police presence meant that safety was put to the side and you just had... To be honest, it felt like it was a feral mob who just wanted to do anything they could to shut down Posey from speaking. And, you know, there were uh, elderly women, um, a lot of women who had come along, and men, to hear just what Posey Parker had to say. And they were just in the middle of this rugby scrum, which, uh, and they feared for their life. I mean, Posey Parker said she feared for her life but I've spoken to others and heard testimony of others. You know, there were, I mean, what you just showed that footage uh, actually was probably a bit more orderly. There were scuffles off to the side and, and punches thrown and assaults that were, were even worse, horrific to watch. Yeah, look, they, they were, certainly were feral, Bob. Um, it's, it's just unbelievable. W what do you think the average Kiwi made of this, seeing all this blow up on the news? Are they aware of the transgender issue? Are they aware of the vulnerabilities being created to girls and women and their sports and their, their private spaces, the sort of issues that Posey was trying to highlight? Well, the problem is that that narrative never was allowed to come out. So the media uh, moved in step and just kept on saying she's anti-trans, she's anti-trans. Every time she was mentioned, the uh, adjective anti-trans was used before. And so it wasn't about pro-woman's rights, it wasn't uh, feminist, it was simply she's anti. And so that did two things. It, it masked the real 
uh, reason for her coming and what she wanted to talk about. And secondly, it painted her in a negative light and it whipped up hysteria amongst the uh, LGBTQIA++ community uh, and, and encouraged them basically to, to you know, come out and, and, and act the way they did. Uh, and, and look, it was actually, it wasn't until I watched some coverage, I mean, it had worldwide coverage and, and in fact, the international media have really um, were stunned by what they saw just as much as New Zealanders were. Uh, and, and, you know, it wasn't until the overseas media actually had some interviews with Posey Parker that I think a lot of New Zealanders actually found out what her heart message was. And most people would agree with her concerns. Um, you know, they might not agree with 100%, but show me a speaker that we agree 100% with. I mean, even we disagree on some things, Lyle. So, you know, it's the ability to have this debate, um, but it was just the the, uh, the pro-trans community do not allow debate. They can't even handle a dissenting voice anymore. And uh, it was a bit of a wake-up call to New Zealanders, to be honest. Actually, I think there was a bit of a tipping point. Yeah, well, that's that's why I'm very interested in talking to you, Bob, because, you know, your LGBTIQA plus political activists came out in much greater numbers than in, in Australia. They were very well organised and it was a show of overwhelming violence against any dissent of their narrative. Um, where does the debate go from here? How do you have this discussion in a country like New Zealand again? Uh, are people just going to be too scared to even go there now? Well, I think two things. The media certainly advertised the protest. Uh, and in fact, in the New Zealand Herald on the morning, they had one of the key activists who wrote a column uh, imploring people to be there. So uh, in effect, you had the mainstream media promoting a counter-protest to Posey Parker. They never... Uh, uh, the interesting thing was, actually, last week I was actually... Uh, at a conference in the United States with social conservatives. And uh, so I was monitoring a lot of the media coverage uh, away from New Zealand. And every article I read, I tried to find out a bit more about Posey Parker. What does she believe? What's she speaking? What is she sharing? Sure, I saw the coverage from Australia where the, the Nazis had come in. But as we all know, when you have a public gathering, you'll always get the fringe groups. The problem is the media uses that to change the narrative, to increase the narrative, uh, the negative narrative. So uh, we never got the chance to actually hear what Posey Parker had to say. Um, and, yeah, look, in, in response to your question of where to from here, look, we can't stop speaking up about these issues for the protection of uh, children. The interesting thing, uh, Lyle, is that while I was in the... States, I actually got the chance to meet in person and interview Chloe Cole, who's the 18-year-old who uh, went on uh, puberty blockers at 13 and had a mastectomy at 15 and now is suing Kaiser Pimenta in the California for the botched operation and regrets, um, you know, she's detransitioned, regrets her whole transgender journey. A very powerful speaker. But we never got the opportunity to hear some of those concerns via Posey Parker's message, her concerns about women's rights. I mean, it, it is an incredible thing to think about, uh, Lyle, in terms of a country that's given women the vote, the first in the world to give women the vote, and yet we shut down a public talk on a person talking about women's rights. It's quite stunning, and that's why I say 
rather than a negative reaction, I think it's been the wake-up call that you and I uh, have been asking for for a long time. And you can see that just in the response. I mean, I've noticed even just in some of my uh, blogs that I do, the viewership has just exploded because I think people have finally thought to themselves, ah, so this is what they're going on about. Yeah, we're not having a proper debate here. So I think actually it may have been a good thing what happened on Saturday, as horrific as it was and as traumatic as it was for those who attended. Yeah, that, that's, that's fascinating that you say that. And I guess that's the sort of insight I was looking for in, in talking to you today. And, and that's encouraging because um, to see a country like New Zealand uh, on the global media for these reasons and, and to see this debate being drowned out is very distressing. Um, you, you mentioned to me off air that you've got uh, another uh, detransitioner, uh, less well known than Chloe Cole, but certainly a pioneer in this area, Walt Heyer, who you and I have both had the privilege of meeting. Now, um, Walt's coming to New Zealand. Um, do, how are you going to conduct a, a speaking tour uh, of someone like him? This is this is a man who, who lived for many years as a woman and then realised that it was harmful and, and, and went back to his natal gender. Uh, how are you going to have a speaking tour for, for Walt? And, and of course, you know, he's, he's one of the most gentle uh, people that you, you've ever met. No, you just carry on as normal. I, I, I think that what the activists want to do is, well, their first strategy has always been to label you and to call you a phobic of some sort. And that has always been designed not because you deserve that label, it's been designed to shut you up because a lot of us don't like being called those terms. And, it, and it's done a pretty good job. But now they've moved past that and it's this physical and fear intimidation. We've got to look it in the face and just say, well, too bad, we're having this discussion whether you like it or not. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I think we've, uh, unfortunately, social conservatives are, are not only social conservatives, they're conservative by nature, and they don't like this type of stuff. But we're getting to the point in the cultural war where there is no no, no man's land. Uh, we, we have to take sides. And, um, and you know, we, we need to be a bit braver. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, time to um, join them. Yeah, no, that's right. You, you say you want to continue on as normal, but how do you continue as normal in an environment like that? Will you take extra security precautions when Walt's in the country? Look, I think all, um, even politicians have been talking about this year, this year. There's been a lot of discussion about uh, just protection, even as we lead up to our general election at the end of the year. There is a lot of uh, angst. There's a lot of anger. And I think, yeah, there will be much more police presence, um, security checks. But, but will you hire um, extra security, Bob, for these events that you're running? Uh, we'll probably go with what we have because we've always been aware that yeah, you'll something take, could happen and we you'll, our pundits to keep safe. You'll, you'll take, uh, take yeah, the risk, but, yeah. Yeah, but we're not going to let fear dictate what we do because uh, this discussion is important. I think we should be more scared about what's going to happen to young children who get indoctrinated in this ideology that, that we should be more scared about that than any activist. Absolutely. Look, um, look, I really admire what you're doing. I hope your supporters uh, come out as a show of force and, and a show of strength, um, obviously non-violent, but uh, come out in, in spite of the fear. Bob, um, did any politicians uh, come out and defend Posey Parker's right to speak while she was in New Zealand briefly? I know she had to cancel her Wellington rally and of course the activists um they danced all over over that thought that was wonderful but um no one should be celebrating the shutting down of free speech what what sort of support did she get from politicians and even um other community leaders like church leaders 
there was some commentary from the two um, sort of more right-leaning. I'm, I'm, I'm loath to call them right-wing parties because they're almost centre-left. But um, the, uh, one of the uh, key politicians from the ACT Party and also the leader of the opposition, uh, Christopher Luxon. But it, it was it was sort of strong. You know, we need free speech. But they really weren't willing to basically say, look, Posey Parker has some very valid points and we need to agree with them. It was more, oh, we need free speech even if we disagree with them. It, it was wet. From the, from the other side, there was this, of course, infamous interview with the... Uh, a Green MP who's the Minister for the Prevention of Violence, uh, and uh, she was asked, "Does she, um, you know, is she concerned about the violence shown towards Posey Parker?" And she started on this rant that uh, all violence is caused by cis white men, uh, and of course that that went viral. And uh, but but that's what we're up against. There's there's just this uh, strong indoctrination that either you buy into. Uh, gender ideology or you are the scum of the earth and we you need to be shut down no matter what well you know um we just need to um we need to toughen up get some backbone and we need to continue to speak up because like i say i'm more scared about the effect this ideology is having on our young people that's what needs to drive us that, that's exactly right. That should get us all uh, out to every event and every discussion about this issue. Bob McCoskery from Family First New Zealand, thanks very much for your time today. Good to be with you, Lyle. Now, I make no apology for this week's show being heavy on the transgender issue. If we lose the right to speak and debate, children, girls and women will continue to be disadvantaged and harmed. Joining me now is my regular guest on this topic, Kiralee Smith of Binary Australia. And for full disclosure, I'm on Binary's board and I'm very proud to serve there in support of Kiralee's incredible work. Kiralee, thanks very much for joining me again. Thanks for having me again, Lyle. Well, Kiralee, um, there's been some good news this week, uh, uncharacteristically for this space, uh, with the World Athletics um, uh, Body, World Athletics Body Authority, protecting women's sports. Tell us what's happened. Well, yes, they've said at elite levels that uh, men who appropriate womanhood or female stereotypes are not allowed to compete at that level. Uh, it's yet to trickle down into um, all the other categories, but that's a fantastic start because most of the local level, state level, national level bodies all tell us, oh, we have to do what the international bodies uh, determine. So well done, World Athletics. Um, and isn't it crazy that we even have to say that, Lyle? I mean... Yeah. There's male and female divisions because there's differences between male and female bodies. Like, it's, yeah. it's insane that we even have to congratulate them for making the sensible, responsible and time-honoured, uh, you know, truth. Yeah, it is insane, Kiralee, and I'm sure the World Athletics uh, Federation or whatever it's called have an eye to the optics at the Olympic Games where they don't want to see biological men smashing women in athletics. Um, what, why do you think, you mentioned it hasn't filtered down to the local level, and, and I know you've been involved in, in soccer uh, particularly. Um, it, it still hasn't got to grassroots level yet, has it? But uh, do you think it will, and how long can they resist? I think it will. Um, I've been talking to some World Masters athletic champions um, because there is a transgender runner in that category. Um, they're saying they're waiting for an announcement. It should happen very soon. And then we expect things like Athletics Australia um, and, and then, you know, to go further down um, to make similar announcements. But the thing is, Lyle, that, um, you know, Athletics Australia have signed on to um, the AIS and... and uh, 
the Human Rights Commission that have said that, you know, people can compete in whichever category they like. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens here on the ground because there's about seven sports, including uh, football uh, and uh, soccer in that, that have signed on with the Human Rights Commission and, and made those announcements for the guidelines about two years ago now. So... Um, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a battle, no doubt about it. That, that's interesting. You mentioned the Human Rights Commission, so uh, that they could—they obviously now find themselves at odds with uh, the world governing bodies. What's been the reaction of the the LGBTIQA plus political activists who who so jealously and and as we'll talk about in a moment, violently guard this space? What's been their response to the World Athletics announcement? Um, you know, like that's always painting themselves as the victims and and uh, trying to, uh, you know, paint this picture that's a false picture and based on a lie that transgender athletes are being excluded from sport, but they're not. It's simply um, requiring people to compete in the category according to their biological reality. And if they really must, then why not create a third space, a third category for them? But that's not what they want. They want to colonise women's spaces and sports and uh, and they're aggressive and vocal in their opposition to allowing women to have single single sex spaces and sports. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Well, look, there's been some further progress as well um, in, in this battle. As you say, it's a fierce battle, but it's moved to the Parliament of Australia now with um, the, uh, for, well, the United Australia Party Senator Ralph Babette joining calls for an inquiry into the harm being done to children as a result of LGBTQI plus gender fluid ideology. Um, now, now, Pauline Hanson's had some things to say about this as well, but um, what, what's the significance of this now being ele elevated into the Australian Senate? Well, look, it's really necessary. Um, there's been lots of calls for either a royal commission or some sort of parliamentary or Senate inquiry into gender clinics because they've had free reign for about 10 years, Lyle, where these gender clinics are prescribing drugs and putting children on pathways that are harmful and irreversible. They've um, really avoided any scrutiny. They've been able to put pressure on academics and studies and get funding withdrawn. So it is time now and it is at that federal level of parliament where this will happen uh, to get these inquiries, to get a really rigorous and uh, analytical uh, investigation going into these things because too many children, too many families are being destroyed by this ideology. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ep epidemic of children turning up at these clinics are uh, somewhere around uh, from 200 to 2,000 over the space of about seven or eight years. Um, you're calling for a Royal Commission. You mentioned that. Uh, so people can go to the binary website, is that right, and sign uh, your petition calling on the government uh, to, to have a proper inquiry, shine a light on these gender clinics? Yes, very much so. So binary.org.au, uh, there's already thousands that have signed that. We need thousands more yep. uh, to do so. And uh, I can say over the coming weeks, Lyle, I'll be meeting with um, other people in this space um, and with parents in particular. We will continue to uh, present this to the politicians in Parliament to have the stories told because it is a very serious issue and children, as I said, are facing things like sterility, no sexual yeah. function, bone and brain development issues, and this has to be addressed before any more uh, victims are created by this transgender industry. Yeah, absolutely. I've said this before, Kiralee, but I just wish there was a way for the victims of this to sue the politicians who are allowing it. We know the lawsuits have already started even here in Australia from people who have had their bodies irreparably damaged. Um, Kiralee, we've just heard from Bob McCroskey in New Zealand about the violent attacks on uh, Posey Parker. 
what do you think this means uh, for this debate and for freedom of speech? And how do we keep the public square open so that these discussions can continue, um, so that we can protect kids, essentially? Yeah, well, the footage of what um, Posey or Kelly Joaquin faced and her supporters, elderly people being punched in the face, um, a lady or someone having their foot broken, these things are... It's beyond comprehension this is happening, um, but it's really necessarily. Hopefully people um, who have seen that footage and it was mainstream footage and it's going right around the world will wake up and understand that, you know, this was a group that just a group of women who wanted to simply speak and they're being faced by aggressive males appropriating womanhood who don't want women to speak. So let's hope, first of all, that that does wake up many people who otherwise wouldn't have understood the issue. But how terrifying for those women who had already, they were there to share their stories of domestic violence and and uh, rape and things that had happened at the hands of violent men and then they were confronted with that again. Um, I think that we just need to keep... Uh, you know, hold our ground, stand, stand firm, encourage one another, come together. There is strength in numbers. Uh, support organisations like Binary, like Let Women Speak and others that are in this space because we need to have a voice and we need to have these discussions because, again, too many children, too many women are suffering at the hands of this violent ideology. Yeah, they sure are, Kiralee. And let's hope those images of uh, Posey Parker uh, with the, the tomato juice, like blood splattered over her face and, and the violence will, will wake people up. Kiralee, keep up the fight and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, thanks for your time. Thanks, Lab. Thank you. Well, last weekend, the people of New South Wales elected a Labor minority government that will be led by Chris Minns, who becomes the state's 47th Premier. As many of you will know, I contested a seat in the Legislative Council, uh, leading a, a family first backed group of independent candidates. Now, I've fallen short, but I'm pleased with a credible result and blessed by the amazing support from hundreds of volunteers and donors. We came at this campaign late with Family First still in the early stages of a rebuild. This meant we were unable, due to New South Wales Electoral Commission requirements, to have our name above the line on the ballot paper. This was a significant disadvantage, and that's why we were pleased to have done so well as we did. Now, Family First is continuing to build as a political force, and we are determined to persist. Our focus will turn to completing the party registration process in all states and federally with the Australian Electoral Commission. We have begun preparing for elections in the Northern Territory, ACT and Queensland next year. There's a lot of work to do. Meanwhile, here in New South Wales, Premier Minns is having to deal with something no first world country should have to deal with, an electricity supply crisis. 10% of New South Wales electricity generating capacity will be lost next month when the giant Liddell power station in the Hunter Valley closes. Premier Minns has not ruled out a taxpayer-funded buyback of the Erang power station, which under green energy plans is due to close in 2025, taking another 25% of the state's baseload electricity offline. Now, the Australian energy market operator has warned the state faces blackouts. It's hard to comprehend the incompetence of the Liberal government that allowed this situation to develop in a first world country. The mastermind of this disaster was the former Energy Minister, Matt Keane, who until Saturday's election loss was the Treasurer. He has ruled out a tilt for the leadership vacated by Dominic Perrottet, saying he wants to spend more time with his family, although reports have emerged he wants to switch to federal politics. 
he should be spending every waking hour helping fix the mess he created in his mad rush to build windmills and solar facilities which don't provide the necessary electricity for a modern economy. Electricity prices already through the roof thanks to the uncosted energy transition are due to rise another 30% next year. Families struggling to pay their bills as interest rates rise and inflation driven by out of control government spending bites them are the losers. Family First advocates a moratorium on closing coal-fired power stations and an immediate inquiry into the economic and engineering feasibility of renewables. If emissions reduction is what the public want, the ban on nuclear generation must be lifted. By its own admission, keeping the lights on is the biggest challenge for the new government. How did it come to this? Now, the other headache for Minns is the independent gay activist MP Alex Greenwich. Greenwich has already tricked Minns into supporting his so-called equality bill, which seeks to ban gay conversion therapy, something that doesn't happen. Greenwich, of course, wants to ban things that do happen, like parents trying to save their children from going to a gender clinic for puberty blockers, hormones and irreversible surgery. Minns, quite rightly, has already said no to Greenwich's plans to ban prayer and preaching. Let's hope he has the courage to say no to jailing parents, as is the provision under Greenwich's favoured legislative model, which is already operating in Victoria. Watch this space. Well, that's all for this week. Please continue to share this content on your social media. I'll be taking a break for a couple of weeks over Easter following a frantic start to the year. My best wishes for the season as we remember the death of Jesus Christ and celebrate his resurrection. Yes, it really happened. Goodbye. God bless.